1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is... To invest.
1: Hello and welcome to Your Ingood Company's Founder series. I am Maddie Guest, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie
2: Dicker. Today we are chatting with the like most glorious. I don't know how, what, what <laughs> adjective to use there, but just like the most lovely glorious. person, Laura Henshaw about her journey with building up Keep It Cleaner and Kick.
1: Another very fun, slightly chaotic episode because <laughs> We're all very busy at the moment, we, but some great energy, some great nuggets of info. We keep catching founders at like 7pm <laughs> at night. <laughs> and also like. when they've got like so much going on. I mean, I guess that's the founder life. Exactly.
2: But. but the girls, Laura and Steph, have been very kind to give us a code for Kick. So if you want to sign up for a month free, type in the code kickgoals one and it can be redeemed via the kick website when you select a monthly subscription so thank you i mean i'm running era
1: so i'm very excited to get into it (laughs) but without further ado let's hear from laura Today we are so excited to be joined by the CEO and co-founder of Australian Health and Fitness App, Keep It Cleaner, Laura Henshaw. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Now, Laura, we always start the same way with this founder series and it is, what is your drink of choice? Coffee. (laughs) Oh,
0: good one. I just could not, when people quit coffee, I'm like, (laughs) I know it's obviously for some people it's a health thing and it can also make you anxious. So that's, I totally understand, but I just don't think... I could ever not have a coffee in the day. Yeah. couple of quick follow-ups. What's your coffee order? I have an almond cappuccino and I love the chocolate and I always get yeah. on my nose. <laughs> I take, I lick the top. And you're one a day? Uh, two. Mm. Two a day. Laura, what is your favourite book and why? So my, I mean, it changes all the time. I've just, so I've probably said on other podcasts a different book, but today <laughs> my favourite book is Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... and it's fantastic and I think for me as someone who is a people pleaser it's something that I go back to all the time Mm. it's got great advice in there it's not a cushy self-help book Mm. it is a this is the reality of the world kind of advice book but sometimes (laughs) you need that and yeah it's really great
2: I feel like that had a moment like a couple of years ago and I never read it because I was like, oh, everyone's on this wave of like...
0: (laughs) No, but (laughs) But do. (laughs) It's not... It's about... You still can, except it's it's about not caring. Like for me, it's about what other people think of me because we can't control what other people think of us. And so Mm -hmm. if we live our life as that being something that we value we're never going to fulfill that because we can't control it mm-hmm. so it's about focusing on the important things that we should care about yes. sounds like I need to go and read it's so good <laughs> I, I bought it and I was like I, I'm so basic with my reading I literally buy what's in the top 10 at the airport yeah and I bought it and then I had it for ages and I just said it and I never read it and then I decided I'm gonna read it now it and re- it was actually really good
2: okay we'll add it to the list and do you have a favourite like Instagram or TikTok or social media account that you just like love and feel like should be shared with people?
0: Can I do a shameless pr- plug for Kicks TikTok? Yes. So we have just got a new TikTok manager, content creator Alice, who is fantastic and our team just embrace, not everyone in our team is <laughs> using social media as much as them and I do. But everyone gets amongst it and comes in the videos and I just feel like it's, TikTok is really tough, especially, it's obviously new-ish, but Mm. for us who's a business who's grown a lot through Instagram, when there's a new platform, it's like, oh, it's this kind of, oh my God, now we have to do another channel. It's like you can't always use the same content, so it's like more work and then it's also trying to find your voice and how you like m- making that channel work with your tone and your brand, mm. and it's really hard and it's taken us time to get there. But I feel like the team have absolutely nailed like who Kick is through that channel. So I I'm loving it, Kick. it's so good. I
1: I, <laughs> I always am laughing at your TikToks at the moment and the little mic that you guys have. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's so
0: funny. <laughs> I feel so serious when we have it. You yeah, know, it's lots of fun. And then the other page, I would say. Is an ins- actually he has Instagram and TikTok is Tarang Chola. So Tarang is a activist uh, for domestic violence, mm. and he also speaks about racism in Australia a lot. And for him, who is someone who has been the victim of racism in on many many occasions, for someone to dedicate so much time to educating mm. others on especially in australia we are such a racist country and we have such a long way to go so i really admire even though he has to put up with so much and it's so sad to see the stuff that he shares sometimes Mm. he still dedicates his time to continuing to to help people to do better so i love that
2: page too yeah like content you can't ignore and it's kind of good to get it through like a like a social media channel where you can get little bits of it every day and start to like better your understanding exactly so, Laura,
1: Kik has had some pretty amazing growth over the last few years, but I would love for you to take us back to the early days. You guys started with an e-book. What was it like back then? And I guess sort of what was the motivation behind wanting to start the business?
0: Thank you. So, yeah, we did. We started with an e-book. It was in 2015. So crazy. Eight years ago now. It feels, oh my it's gosh, funny. That's
1: eight years ago? It's I crazy. Know. It
0: feels like 50 and then also two years at yeah. the same time. Mm. So Kik started and and the reason behind it was Steph and I both went through our own personal journeys and struggles with diet culture. I was 19 when I first – around 19 when I first downloaded Instagram and it was the first time I was very, very lucky that I grew up in a household that health – like, you know, played sport, moved my body for fun, Mm. didn't really think about food very much – and so when I then opened up Instagram and I was exposed to this, also diets were not something that was really spoken about at home at all. And so then you go onto social media and it's kind of like this crazy world of every single diet under the sun. And I got sucked into that diet culture and it's, it's so interesting. Like I studied, I did biology in high school, I know that we can't, we could eat everyone here we could eat exactly the same food we could exercise exactly the same we could do exactly the same things and we're never ever ever going to look the same because we're you know our genetics are different mm-hmm. however it's, it's so interesting sometimes and sad when you're on social media, all of that common sense kind of just goes out the window. So true. And so for me, I found myself in this comparison trap and I was really, I was not eating enough. I was so unhealthy. I was excessively exercising and depriving myself. And my entire worth was based on the way that I looked because I was so just... Focused on trying to get this body type that I saw online. And this is coming from someone who is a size 8 woman who already lives in a body that is, in quotation marks, accepted kind of by the media in Australia. Mm. And so I went through that and for for me being someone who's not ever placed a lot of value on the way that I look, it was really hard, um, a shit time in terms of my self-worth and how I felt about myself and Steph went through a similar journey and we both connected on that because f- for two people who had grown up in really kind of safe environments around where diet wasn't mentioned as i said to then be exposed at kind of 18 19 when we are a lot more mature than you know we weren't 15 when we when we were exposed and mm-hmm. still both go down that path diet culture is really dangerous especially for young women women where told the way i mean everything is sold and companies make so much money telling us that we're not good enough and so at the same time though when you move your body and you lead a healthy lifestyle you feel so good like we, we know how good we feel when we move and we eat well and we sleep and we look after our mental health but so that's not a bad thing but so where kick kind of the idea of kick started and it started in an ebook was trying to create a safe place where we could share all of the tools to be able to lead a healthy lifestyle without all of the toxic diet culture that usually comes with it. Mm. And when we launched the ebook, it was really interesting, like even thinking um, the fitness expo was quite big in, it doesn't exist anymore, but in kind of in Australia. And at that expo, it was quite a good representation of what in quotation marks wellness or health looked like at the time in the industry. Was a 90% kind of supplement, mm. macro type stuff, and then 10% yeah, so wellness. True. Wellness was very, a very, it's Middle. so different now. Yeah. It's now probably, you know, 50 50 or, or even more so on the side of wellness. But wellness, in quotation marks, at that time was very much unattainable, you know, going to spend $400 on organic ingredients mm. to make a slice or something <laughs> that did, tasted like beetroot, all of those things, <laughs> um, kind of Gwyneth Paltrow type wellness, which I i completely am not aligned with at all and the the thing with health and wellness and the what we do at kick it's all about balance there's no secret and i think obviously when you say there's no secret then what are you selling right because i feel like a lot of companies use that as like oh here's Mm a secret to you know your dream body or whatever stuff they say um so for us it was just about bringing it back to basics and a lot of people resonated with that and then from there we we sold the ebook and then we we grew and kind of Eight years
2: on, we're Kik. <laughs> <laughs> but there's yeah. been a lot of work in between. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say you're, you're saying that you're not selling a secret, but one of the things you kind of do sell is like this incredible community. Like you have such a cult following. You have events where people get to meet each other. They can talk. You had an incredible Facebook community, now the app. I think community is a massive part of kick. How have you found building that up over the years? Has that been a really hard thing to do or do you think when you have, like, a certain passion and purpose, people resonate with it and that's how you get the community?
0: Oh, community is is our core. It's our North Star at Kik. We would not be where we are today without our community. And so I think there's kind of two parts to this, our mission and what we are trying to achieve and also what Steph and I have gone gone through with – which. Is something that experience of you know not feeling like you're good enough in your body and that you need to change. Mm-hmm. That is something that a lot of young women can resonate. Are made to feel. Yeah. And so a lot of people have resonated with that and wanted to be a part of this community and of kick in changing the way we think about our health and wellness. And then the other side of it is in in building it our community started building before we launched the app and I think that's probably for a lot of businesses they ask oh like you know we've been going for three years and we need to build a community it's quite hard to build it after the fact when you have a product because people you know you think of a unless it can have more meaning than just the product it doesn't make sense to you know want to join a community or or be Mm. a part of it and so I urge anyone that's thinking, you know, of starting a business or trialing something or, or a new product, whatever it might be, to start trying to connect with people and build the community before you launch them because then you have a group of people who, you know, are, have similar interests and will be looking for what, uh, usually when you're launching a business, you're solving a problem. So maybe they're also going through that problem and they want they want to solve it. And so with Kik, I had a blog before we started Kik, which had started to grow and, where I shared recipes and, and some other things on there. It was just a hobby. But that had started to grow a community. And then we also had kind of through our personal brands, our online communities that that came together. And so by the time we launched the app, which was in 2018, we'd had three years of community building, which really, really helped us kind yeah. of and, and is definitely the biggest testament and, and reason for our success of, of KIK. You touched
1: on your personal brands there and I'd love to go into that a little bit more because I think one of the things that can be quite hard when you're building your own business is you wrap your identity up in that business Mm -hmm. or it can be really easy to do that. How has your experience sort of been with that? Because you guys are obviously sort of the face of Kik in many ways Mm -hmm. and I guess how do you go about sort of separating your self-worth from the success of Kik?
0: Oh, I mean, me separating my—I it's something I'm working through mostly. <laughs> I, I, I kick. <laughs> but I, I think it's something that I am so disconnected with our mission and what we're trying to achieve. And my—I spend most of my. Hours when I'm awake working, so a lot of my identity is tied into kick. That's something I'm working through, and that's it's important. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's reminding me of shameless. You know when they say like the um, Michelle someone McDonald, or oh, sorry, Zara someone McDonald, and they have the middle name it's yes. like Laura yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that so that's that's kind of one thing. And then the other thing is when you're building a business, obviously, you there is a big risk in the the business being completely tied to the founders. And so something that we've been really conscious about doing is as we've grown, really trying to diversify mm. Kik away from Steph and I and we will always be a part of it. It's, we're so passionate about it. Um, however, as a, a brand, the brand needs to stand on its own. And for what we want to achieve with Kik, we can't rely on Steph and I to, to be able to do it. And so in before 2020, uh, in August, we relaunched the app. Pr- prior to that, Steph and I were in every single workout. Yeah. So we were everywhere in the app and so we made a really conscious decision to start to diversify, bring in other trainers, other other faces of Kik um, and not be so – obviously for the product, be so reliant on Steph and I and that worked really well. The community was so – they love all of our trainers so, so, so much and I think that's been really special is that at the start and, and even with our Facebook community – when we first launched it, Steph and I would reply to every single thing straight away and that's how conversation would start. But now we're just a part of it. Everyone's replying to each other and it's not uh, – I suppose it's not about us. It's its the community and, and that's
2: what, what Kik is. You spoke before about how, you know, when you first kind of entered the space and you are going to these fitness expos, there was the 10% wellness and the 90% everything else. The fitness market is quite saturated and I think over COVID we saw that a lot of people were moving into that home workout space – as someone running a business in that area, how do you find like you gain market share and you get you attract people compared to your com- competitors?
0: Yeah, I mean it's an ex- extremely in extremely competitive space. I think though now I know the it's interesting when you think about barriers to entry in the fitness subscription space obviously any well not anyone but if you're if you're a qualified personal trainer and you want to put your workouts on instagram and you know do a subscription or whatever you can do that it's much easier to do that than ever before which is great however in launching an app product that's you know with kick for example we've got over 700 recipes over 500 workouts we've got 15 workout types 100 meditations. We've got so much content on them. We also have an extremely, our content is really, really high quality. Our trainers are fantastic. Our brand is differentiated from the market in terms of we're not, I mean, it's really interesting. A lot of brands as their mission, they do say that they're here to empower. You know people with their fitness journey which absolutely sure they are um but kick at kick we don't just say that it then comes through our entire app and the entire experience and also our app experience as well building an app is extremely Expensive. We've got a big team of developers and they, we're working every single day on – and it's not just about building features. It's like, you know, that you build up so much tech debt and there's so many things that need to be updated every single day in the product. There's mm-hmm. so much work that goes into it. And so to enter the market now – unless you've kind of built up a huge community to start with, you have the resources to enter with a lot of content, with a high-quality product, it is very, very hard to compete
2: yeah. because
0: there are so many strong players in the market. And I think for Kik, I mean, for a lot of us and, and all a lot of apps – I would say if they didn't, then there would have been a problem. But a lot of apps had huge growth during COVID for us in March 2020, which is when we first went into the lockdown. We had the biggest spike of users we've ever had mm. in the history of Kik. And that was
2: fantastic. I was one of them. Me too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was doing the little thank workouts with my <laughs> little sister. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
0: And uh, But the thing is, and, and the what's hard, it's obviously growing in a time being online fitness. It was great because it opened up a lot of people's mindset to mm-hmm. health and fitness apps that you can and for kick too. Before COVID our apps very much had people had a hybrid approach to how they use kick. So they would might have a gym membership but they would go and do, you know, the Kick Strength program in the gym because most of us walk into the gym and you're like, well, I do. What the hell yeah. am I going to do, right? This is all these machines <laughs> like, Don't now? Don't look at
2: me. Please don't look at
0: me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, but there were people that thought, oh, and for some people working out at home works so well because they just don't have time. And a lot of people thought, I can't work out at home, I'm just not going to get, you know, in quotation marks, a good work in." But it did open up a lot of people's minds to that, and which is fantastic. But what's the hard part about our industry is not growing through COVID, because everyone needed a home app or or, you know workout and fitness and health app during that time it's sustaining that when everyone's back into normal life right because hopefully touch wood we're never going to go into lockdown again so that's not a normal kind of business. It's it's not normal for us for every single person to have no other option than to do a fitness app, right? Mm. And so for us at Kik, it's all about making sure we're continuing to invest into our content, our product, the experience, and really looking at what our users are, how they're interacting with the product, how we can make it better and going from there. And so for us, we've just had, it's been incredible. We've had the best Jan and Feb we've ever had, Um, which is great because that's not with the COVID effect. In Jan we had 50% more completions of workouts than we've ever had Wow. and that we did a really really big update to the product in Jan so that was fantastic because we know that when we update the product and when we, we, we had we did all this research on what our users were looking for what they needed and, and kind of the things that were missing from the product and we've got a big roadmap to kind of roll that the roll that out over the next 18 months but it was really great to see in Jan even though it is such a competitive space if you have a good product, Mm. you will cut through
2: Mm. like even your five minute little workouts that you've put on I even with that like when you have such a busy day sometimes you don't feel like you need to work out for like getting a good sweat on but you need it for like your mental capacity you're feeling a bit of brain fog like having something where you're like just got five minutes and it'll make you feel a little bit better I feel like that's a real example of listening to what a busy audience needs and then providing for that.
0: A hundred percent. And I think too, um, I mean, thank you. That, that's so nice. Our <laughs> minis are so popular. They are so great because, and it's kind of sticks to who, what we do and why we started Kick in the first place. It's not a place you come to to lose, you know, you don't sign up to Kick. We don't promise you'll lose five kilos in a month because Kick is about a sustainable approach to health and wellness. And that might mean some weeks you might do five workouts and the next week you might be so busy and you only have time for two, you know two things but you're not doing it for obviously for your physical health it's important but not to change your body it's so you feel good and mm that is sustainable, like eight-week challenges, four-week challenges that are, you know, where you just sign up and then you leave that are really based on just challenging yourself, pushing yourself past your limits for eight weeks straight for, you know, one or two hours a day, which is something that you can never sustain beyond that. Mm. That's not sustainable. And so for Kik, we, we have a sustainable approach and it's why we have super strong retention and we're able to cut cut through.
1: What have been some of your favourite Kick memories so far?
0: Oh, it's such a good question. I think my, I mean, when we do workouts and events in, when we do the kick tour in real life, it's so mm-hmm. special. It's, it's so interesting. We have quite a large online community that we have over 50,000 people in our Facebook community and we've had over, what is it, 680,000 downloads, which is just insane to think about those numbers. However, it's very interesting because for me sitting in my desk um, in the office, I can't you can't imagine that number of people. No. It, you just, it just doesn't – you don't comprehend, right? So when we do the kick tour and we're able to meet, you know, hundreds of our, our users and, and our, our community members in real life, that's the stuff that's super impactful. And it's, mm. it's hearing the stories of – like this morning I was speaking to someone. We just launched our new kick run program and the half marathon program, which I'm doing, which I'm, I'm so Excellent. excited.
2: And they do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um it, it's great except the only thing is i it is my voice so oh. i'm like putting myself <laughs> all the way down because i'm like I, I don't find myself going to I'm like
2: be quiet like
0: mute. So. <laughs> but anyway so with it's this morning i was speaking to someone that said they're about to start the half marathon program and they're so grateful for kicks run program because they did they've done both the zero to five and the five to ten kilometer program and before that they had never, ever, ever believed in their life that they could be a runner because they didn't do running at school. And it's so interesting, our relationship with running, for example. Mm. It's often defined by if we did athletics in high school and then if we didn't, we just think, well, I'm just so not a runner.
1: True.
0: I'm just not able to, to do that. And it's at kick we say, if you are able to run, you can absolutely be a runner. Yeah. Your body doesn't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be able to run at a certain pace or run a certain distance. If you believe that you can, you can. And so- in this morning for me in speaking to someone that, you know, honestly, like could never, ever, ever thought that they would be able to run one kilometre and is now doing their half marathon program. Like that's that's incredible. And it's also the stories of people that maybe they never have worn. I was speaking to a community member last week and she said she never wanted to wear shorts because mm-hmm. she didn't feel like she had, in quotation marks, the body to wear shorts. So she felt self-conscious and she now, after she's joined Kik, now feels comfortable in her own skin and she rocks her shorts and she loves it, loves it. Wearing them and it's not because her body has changed it's because she's changed the way that she thinks about herself and she's not letting what she, you know this society kind of societal pressure of thinking that we need to look a certain way to wear things lip, um kind of dictate the way that she lives her life and that's the stuff that just is like this is the most fulfilling thing in the whole world
2: it makes you feel good because yeah you're like, yeah it's why we do what change, we do yeah there's been recent press about um kick expanding into the UK which is really exciting and a lot about building up a business is about you know strategy and having a business plan moving internationally has that always been something that's like been on the radar or do you think it's an opportunity that's come up that's you're going to take because it's the right time
0: oh I mean it's it's interesting when when you say that when we first started in 2015 no way did we ever think we were going to have an app and we'd you know have people all over the world (laughs) we have people in over in over 120 countries for Kick, and that's not something wow. that honestly in 2015 we ever, ever, ever planned out. So I think it's important to start with that because we definitely didn't have a business plan and we didn't know what it would become. It's and, and even if in 2015 if someone asked Steph, both of us, Steph or I, what could what do you want Keep It Cleaner or Kick to become, we would have said, oh maybe another ebook. Like it w- wasn't even in our wildest dreams. It, it was beyond that. Mm. But since we have started the app as we do have users that's the most beautiful thing about apps is that you can reach people all over the world also through social media So for us, our mission is to change the relationship people have with their health and also with themselves. And so it is so important that we continue to do that. And so being able to do that on a global scale is what we want to do because we can impact more people. The UK, the reason we've chosen the UK market first is because they are a market that is quite similar to Australia. Um, We obviously, you never go into a market and just say, we're going to do it exactly as we do it in the country we started in because that's obviously extremely naive and you you have to adapt your product to that market and what they need and how they use health and wellness apps. But we feel like we are really, really well placed to enter Um, and we also have it's our biggest base of users outside of Kik as well uh, sorry outside of Australia as well
2: so we've got a base to start with and yeah it's really really exciting. That's so cool like can't wait to see what happens with (laughs) that one. (laughs) Trips to London just get to go over do some market research stunning. (laughs) Great
1: excuse. (laughs) Part of the process of expanding into the UK for you guys has also involved thinking about taking on investors for the first time so Before we get into that, I sort of want to touch on the fact that up until now, that's not something that you guys have ever done. How has that sort of played out for you? You know, how would you describe your relationship with money and what's the dynamic there in terms of sort of taking on other people's money now?
0: Yeah, so up until this point, so we are starting to now explore conversations around investment and what that could look like for us. We're still absolutely working through it. So we've been bootstrapped up until now. It's something that, honestly, until now, to do what we've wanted to do, we haven't needed external funds. And I think raising money is something, sometimes it's, we think that when we start a business, you kind of think of the things that you want to do to like, tick the boxes. And I think sometimes... I do speak to some founders that I feel like they're oh we're going to raise money next and it's like why what what why do you need that money what is it for why why can't you kind of use your profit or, or whatever and so for us at Kick the reason now that we are looking to raise money is because our plans with our product roadmap and and our product what we have to do there is so much in there and with health especially obviously we're a tech business tech moves so quickly and so we want to be able to expedite what we're doing on the product side and experience side and then also with our market expansion the industry uh, fitness and health apps obviously as we spoke about in COVID it expedited the market a lot which is amazing but it also means the market will mature quicker than it Mm -hmm. would have if we didn't have COVID and so for us we want to make sure we we are leading when that happens and so that's why now um we're we're looking to kind of explore explore those conversations and and to the point um in terms of my money story I growing up we we definitely like I went to a a Catholic school I had a, a great upbringing we had enough but In my parents' separation, especially my parents separated when I was twelve, so going into year seven, financial stress was from my memories of my childhood one of the biggest reasons for their separation. When you don't have enough money or finances, I I do believe that there is a point where money will not make you happier, Mm. but. Up until a point, it does make you happy, and then it gives you freedom, and it removes that stress of worrying about, oh, can we pay this bill, or um, you know, we, we can't afford to go on a holiday for two years, and that's all those things, like those kind of stresses that my parents would argue about, and so, and also in I remember two conversations with with Mum, like we were never allowed to have a credit card, which I still don't have, and that all oh, we have on for the business. But we paid off, obviously. <laughs> um, but personally, don't don't have one. It's not something. It's something that it was kind of I was always brought up that they were the evilest worst things ever because then you get into debt and then you won't be able to pay it off. And I kind of had a I suppose growing up a, a scarcity mindset around money. Yeah. And so then with running a business, it's been really interesting because it, it's been good in a way. And Steph and I have very similar money values. We are probably are more risk averse. I, I would say. We aren't kind of a growth at all costs mindset business. I, we are really trying to build a sustainable business, which is where kind of managing our cash flow and being really um, conscious with how we're spending it and making sure it's going a long way. And we we also, it's, it's worked in a really great way for us because we've had fantastic organic growth. We haven't relied on you know buying people through Facebook or all paid marketing we've had to think outside the box i think when you don't have money to solve every single problem in a business it means that you have to think yeah you have to think outside the box and work out how you get there without it and so to this point we we have been profitable since we started and even when we took the the biggest financial risk we ever took as a business was when we moved from we used to work um, kind of in partnership with another company that was in 2017 when we had a website and then in 2018 we went out on our own and launched the app And that was the biggest financial risk we ever had made because we were going to lose our entire subscription base. And that was fine. It was just the the way that it was. Um, All of our content, our Facebook community, which we had to rebuild. And I suppose that's a huge risk because you don't know if you're going to rebuild it. And so when we decided to take that risk, we had to build a team to then start to build out the product and what we were going to do with with the app. But we obviously didn't know how it was going to go. Mm. And so that for us was the biggest financial risk we ever took. And when I say that, we still had, I remember, not that I knew how to do a lot of financial modelling at the time, but I remember reading somewhere that you need to have five months cash flow for your business to be mm-hmm. okay. So yes. that's what I applied, where <laughs> <laughs> I read it. But anyway, and that's so, yeah. <laughs> so we had the revenue that we had, you know, generated from the e-book and we had a subscription website and then worked with this other company over the three years before that. And so we had revenue from revenue streams from those businesses that we had saved and so we knew how much we had in savings. So then we worked out, okay, how much do we think, how many team members do we think we need? How much do we think it'll cost to build X, Y, and Z out? And then we planned, okay, so if we don't get any people signing up to the product for five months, we will be fine. Yeah. And we went from there. And obviously we, we did get people signing up on the first day, which was fantastic. Also completely underestimated how much things cost. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. And um yeah, so that's probably the biggest financial risk we took. And that really taught because when you have a business, you have to take risk. It's really important. Otherwise, you will not grow. Yeah. However, you, I suppose we are quite conservative with the risks that we take. But I've had to learn to push and push a little bit more because, yeah, you do you do have to take risk.
2: How have the conversations gone for, for you and Steph as two female founders in this whole investing landscape, raising money? Has it been a difficult thing to do like you said that you you didn't know a lot about financial modeling you've obviously come to learn about it have you found the experience somewhat difficult without having that kind of financial background? What we've had a lot of conversations about is that sometimes female founders are a bit like, I don't know what the hell is going on and so then it's a really difficult mm. conversation. Have you had any of that? So I
0: think for me, so in terms of the actual process and the investment world, the investment world is definitely heavily n- dominated by men. It is There's not a lot of women in there. So we have had some conversations with funds that are run by women, which is amazing, mm. but there are way more run by men so that's been difficult I suppose in just not having the representation on the people that you're you know speaking to yeah um or not always but but sometimes I think in terms of I suppose financial literacy for, for me and understanding that part of the business I'm a big believer in if I don't understand something it's my job to go and learn it the financial side of the business is also I've always found it I didn't do it at uni I did a few subjects but I find it really interesting and before so I do have and it's also really important to have I I also speak to quite a few founders that someone else and we have an external CFO who's fantastic but I don't just take what they say and just kind of read it and don't actually absorb it and understand it it's really important when making decisions in business to understand especially with with a subscription business obviously like your LTV is so important there's so many sides of the financial part of, of the business that you have to understand to be able to make decisions for your business to grow and, and with your strategy. So Mm. I've found that I do have quite a good, obviously I still have a long, long way to go, but it's really important when I, when I work with my CFO, with our CFO, he always will will go through everything and I make sure that I understand it because that's important. And then I think in terms of the actual investment process, it is a hundred percent been something that I have never done before. I haven't come from, um, with my family or anyone that I really knew has raised money. So I didn't have a lot of information on it. And so what I've done is, but that's up to me to learn that because I can go into a room and have no information and, you know, being taken, be taken advantage of because I don't know, mm-hmm. or I can go into the room and have the knowledge. So, and that's my, that's on me, right? So what I've done is I've just found, I've spoken to everyone that I that I can. And then I've found podcasts that people have recommended to me to learn and upskill and I'm listening to them on 1.5 speed and I'm trying to get <laughs> through four a day. <laughs> Love it. And it's helping. It's helping so much. But I think it's just taking responsibility for that. Like no one's going to teach you. You have to, if you want to learn, you've got to go out there and and, and do the work.
2: Yeah. I feel like when we first started learning, one of the things that I would do is listen to podcasts. And I feel like when you hear terms enough, all of a sudden they start to become a part of your lingo and you're like, I recognize that. I understand it. Like It's like everything. Like I wouldn't
0: expect myself to, I don't know why I just thought of playing golf, but I can't play golf. You know, (laughs) I, I would never expect to go on a golf course and be able to, I don't even know you get a what's it called I don't actually don't even understand a it golf club? Wrong, no, <laughs> wrong crowd we have you no. get it a, like a, whatever the number is you have to get to
2: like a handicap yeah, handicap oh, like yeah. I'm not no, gonna yeah. go a on the golf,
0: golf course sorry. and never expect <laughs> 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 and expect to get a handicap of whatever a good one yes if I've never done it before and it's the same with finances and I think too or anything really sometimes I find that we think and I I do this sometimes oh you know it's just not I just don't understand it and that's just it is what it is but it's like Mm. no, you have to take responsibility to, to change that and especially with money which is why the work that you're doing is is so important because for women getting on top of our financial literacy and understanding it empowers us to have financial freedom in the future and when things go wrong it's you know, you think back and, oh, I just didn't know, but it's like, no, take control of that because there's so much knowledge, um, power in knowledge. Yeah. It's so important because I think it is one of those things
1: that it's so easy just to put it in someone else's hands and let someone else take responsibility, you know, whether it be your partner or someone someone else in a business that you're trying to grow. But I think you're right. When things go wrong, it's actually is up to you. I would love to know, are there any particular resources that you have found really helpful that you would recommend if people did want to upskill in that space?
0: So the podcast I'm listening to currently is, it's either 20VC or VC20. Oh, yeah, Yes, with Harry someone. Yeah, him, yes. Yeah. And he has a VC firm and then he's obviously interviewing. There's a lot of as well, um, that he interviews a lot of people in subscription specifically. So yeah. I, I found a lot of his growth and retention episodes really helpful, but I've, it's a great, great, great re- resource.
2: So you've obviously had a lot of experience now building up this business over the past how many, eight years you said, if there's one thing that you could have known before you'd started building Kick, what would it have been? <sighs> so I have three
0: things for this. <laughs> that's okay. So the first thing is what we were just talking about before in terms of putting in the hands of other people. I think that's something that is sometimes easy to do because you do need to obviously bring a team on and trust your team because you cannot do everything. And I am a big believer in being not being the smartest person in the room is I'm never the smartest person in the room with our kick team and I love that and that's fantastic. But I think too it's in terms of things that are really important in if you're running a business like the finances and understanding that or it might even be in recruiting. If you outsource that and then you fully trust in someone else to do that for you, and then something happens and doesn't work out, you're the person that's dealing with it. Mm. It's not with anything. Like you're the one that has to work through that with your business. So I think that's been a really, really big learning is to not be like, oh, they'll just be able to do it, it's fine. Take control of that and make sure you are making a decision, you know, and and you're actually contributing to that because otherwise you're the one that's going to have to fix it. Mm. That's important. Secondly, investing in legal fees. When you start out, it's really hard to do it because you don't have a lot of money when you start a business and legal fees are very expensive. However, not investing in like getting your trademarks, for example, is so costly the longer that you leave it. Um, Steph and I signed have signed contracts before that we didn't get checked by a lawyer because it was we just didn't want to, it. it was so much money to do it and we thought it would be fine. It's never fine. You need to get legal support. So that's the second one. And then the third one is even in saying all of that, I do also think that naivety has been the biggest, biggest, most amazing thing for Steph and I because I think if we knew what we were in for, we wouldn't have done it because Mm. it is so scary and running a business is very difficult and you come up against so much shit so often and the highs are great but there's more lows and so you obviously have to be extremely passionate about what you're doing, but then at the same time, it is just yeah, it's so important to. I, I always come back to this one thing that there hasn't yet been. It's funny when things go wrong. I always think, oh, is this going to be the one that you know <laughs> that gets Chips us. me over the <laughs> yeah, edge? Exactly. <laughs> but nothing to this point, there has not been one problem or thing that has gone wrong that we have not been able to solve. And at Kick, we're not we're not curing cancer. We're not scientists. We're not. Doing The work we do is extremely important, but it's not going to be the reason between life and death for someone, right? And so that's really, really important to continue to remember that because I think you can get caught up Mm. in the stress and and everything and the things that go wrong and think, oh, it's – but you just – I have to pull myself back and think, okay, how can we actually solve this problem, which you always will have a solution – and well, not to this day, we've solved everything, so so we're fine. <laughs> um, and then also just reminding yourself that, you know, it's also important to not take things too seriously because we obviously, as I was talking about at the start, life, I, a lot of my worth or probably my entire identity is almost tied up in my work, but i it's so important to, yeah, at kick we don't take things too seriously and to have fun along the way because otherwise being stressed 24-7 is, is not a way to live. No, It's <laughs> no. so
1: true and there's always something else to work towards. Yes. So you've got to enjoy the journey because otherwise you sort of, you wake up in, yeah, 10 years' time and it's sort of like, oh, okay. We've exactly. Done all these things and you've just been, had your head down in the
0: sand the whole time. 100%. And there's also always, I find too and I catch myself when I say this, we often say when we've solved this problem, yeah. it's going to be fine. It's so true. I don't know why I say that because the next day there'll be a new one and then it's like when you solve that one, so it's like instead of going from, it might be problem to problem or goal to goal, it's like the, the process is where we live our lives. We spend 99.95% of it. So that's important as well because, yeah, I so often find myself and I catch myself that, like, oh, my God, no, there's always going to be another problem, so I'm not yeah. going to have happiness yeah. when this is solved.
2: The Climb by Marle Sari yeah. should be our theme song <laughs> for 2023. <Third> search here.
1: <laughs> Final question. Imagine we are sitting here ten years from now, looking back and saying this has been a really amazing ten years for kick. Can you paint
0: us a picture of what does
1: that look like?
0: Oh, I, I think for us it's just continuing to live our mission in changing the relationship people have with their health and with themselves and to be able to do that on a global scale and be able to impact more people that's just that's what what we're going for, and um, yeah, it's really exciting. So I hope in ten years that's that's what we're doing.
2: You'll be all around the globe, yeah, more I than hope 120 so anyway. countries. We'll circle back,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or maybe more people in all yeah. the countries. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's late. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm, I'm so sorry if anyone listening that's like this person makes no sense. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Laura.
2: Thank you so much for tuning in for another Founder Series episode. We hope you took something away from it,
1: and if you did, we would love for you to share it with a friend. It really does
2: help us grow, which is what we really appreciate. And love. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Join us on Instagram at YIGC Podcast. TikTok has the same handle, or on Facebook YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. Otherwise, you'll hear from us again next week. Catch you then. Bye.
0: acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates
2: under an Australian Financial Services License 540697.